I think, therefore I am, is the statement of an intellectual who underrates two things. I feel, therefore I am, is a truth much more universally valid, and it applies to everything that is alive. The basis of the self is not thought, but suffering, which is the most fundamental of all feelings. Milan Kundera in Immortality Margaret Locke includes this quote in insight into the understanding of life and death in her book, Twice Dead, Organ Transplants and the Reinvention of Death. My name is Marina Ricci, and in this podcast, I will be discussing this ethnographic book for the World Ethnography Project. Margaret Locke is a Canadian medical anthropologist. She has studied the body, menopause, biomedical technologies, and death in both North America and Japan. She is also a professor emerita at McGill University. Before I discuss this book any further, I would like to issue a content-slash-trigger warning. I will be discussing death, trauma, and organ transplants, so proceed with caution if those are difficult subjects for you. I would also like to start out by saying that there are a few things to consider with this book. Twice Dead explores brain death and organ transplants in Japan and North America. Japan and Canada both have universal health care, while the United States does not. In addition, this ethnography was copyrighted in 2002, so some of the statistics about the survival rate of organ recipients are outdated. Medical technology and survival rates and people's well-being have been improved over the years. In addition, the concept of brain death is complex and difficult to understand. To help portray this ambiguity, I will alternate in my descriptions of people who are brain dead and organ donors. I will call them living cadavers, brain dead patients, brain dead donors, potential cadavers, respirator brains, and neomorts. All of these phrases are used by medical professionals, legislators, the media, media, common people, and Margaret Locke to describe people who are declared brain dead. Twice Dead dives into the understanding of death in Japan following the invention of the ventilator and the increased presence of organ transplants. It analyzes these difficult subjects through class differences, legislation, media coverage, trust in doctors, religion, tradition, Western modernization, the comparison between North America and Japan, the understanding of the soul or spirit, personal-slash-bodily autonomy, familial connections, biomedical technology, the moment of death, and the economy of bodies. We have a tendency to try to categorize life and death into two completely separate categories. In reality, life and death exist on a complex spectrum that is difficult for anyone to completely understand, let alone an entire nation. When adding in the multiple levels of complexity between medical, legislative, familial, and societal aspects of life and death, the spectrum becomes even more confusing. It is also important to note that that death is for the living. It is a familial, social, and cultural occasion. And death is not universal across cultures and across time. Values and opinions around death change, and there is no confirmation to tradition regarding death. Clifford Geertz defines the complexity of culture by, Everyone knows what cultural anthropology is about. It's about culture. The trouble is, is that no one is quite sure what culture is. Not only is it an essentially contested concept, like democracy, religion, simplicity, or social justice, it is a multiply defined one, multiply employed, and erratically imprecise. 
It is fugitive, unsteady, and psychopedic, and normatively charged. And there are those, especially those for whom only the really real is really real, who think it is vacacious altogether or even dangerous, and would ban it from the serious discourse of serious persons. If culture is so complex, how can we expect life and death to be easy to understand? What is death? Death can be understood as the end of life. Some believe that life is associated with culture and death is associated with nature. I personally believe that death is equally associated with culture, which is why we struggle to define the moment when death becomes reality. Locke also asks the questions that all societies have regarding death. What is a person? What is the relationship of person to body? Does the person cease to exist when the physical body dies? What exactly is death? Physical, personal, and social? Japan and North America, too, struggle to find answers to these questions, especially as the concept of death has changed over the years. Naturally, anxiety about death is universal to us. We know it means more than simple biological failure. While not perfect, many doctors attribute the following signs to be signifiers of death. No response to pain stimuli. No brain stem reflexes. The light test on eyes. The doll's eyes test. No gag slash cough when stimulated. And no response to cold water in the ear. In 1941, William Brickley tried to define legal death as when brain waves cease. One issue is that there can be residual brain activity following a brain death declaration. In North America, our society overall agrees to this conclusion of death today. Japan does not have as easy a time agreeing with this definition. Brain death can most easily be defined as no more brain activity. This brain activity is defined differently throughout societies. Within those that believe that brain death is not biological death, a general consensus that brain death is the end of a meaningful life is reached. Death has transformed over the years. In the 1700s, humane societies were formed by concerned doctors and commoners. They were concerned about people who seemed dead but in actuality were not. Premature burials were a common fear at this time. In the 1800s, death became a medical matter instead of a religious matter. By the 1900s, most physicians were unsure if they could correctly diagnose death. To make life and death more complicated, the 1800s saw an advancement in medical technology and the invention of breathing machines. The iron lung is a well-known example of machines that encased an entire body and manually moved the lungs. Margaret Locke even admits she remembers seeing an iron lung as a child in England and being alarmed. In the 1950s, the artificial ventilator was invented. The ventilator keeps a person breathing and a heart beating while their brain can no longer perform these tasks, also known as a brain-dead person. Often those who are brain-dead but on ventilators appear to be sleeping, causing distress for anyone, especially family members, who see them. The ventilator completely redefined our concept of death. We also see that the heart could be restarted in some cases. These attempts to prolong life are still employed today. In the 1960s, only about 100 ICUs existed. Now most hospitals have more than 100 beds in the ICU. Especially as we are struggling with this pandemic, it is difficult to imagine we ever had such a small number of ICUs. While in North America and Western Europe, death transitioned from a religious event to a medical event, in Japan, death recently became more medical than familial.
Japanese believed that people should be at home when they die. Additionally, it wasn't until the 1970s that Japanese medical texts started to discuss death. Margaret Locke explains that French surgeon Antoine Louise believed that the uncertainty of medicine necessarily follows from the uncertainty sign of the signs of death. With the new invention of the ventilator and the concept of brain death, the concept of organ transplants altered completely. This was not the first time doctors had experimented with transplanting organs from bodies that no longer needed them to those that needed them. Unfortunately, organs taken from dead cadavers rarely survive for long in their new bodies. Doctors began organ procurement from neomorts after a legal definition of brain death was determined, and doctors did not have to worry about murder charges. In the night. In 1967, the first heart transplant occurred in South Africa. The transplant surgeon also declared death of the donor, raising ethical questions. Today, the transplant surgeon cannot declare brain death of the donor. Christian Bernard transplanted the heart of Denise Ann Darville, who died in a traffic accident, into Louise Wojcicki. While Wojcicki only lived 18 days, the first heart transplant was still considered a success. All over the Western world, doctors followed in suit, including in Japan. Clearly, this new craft took time in understanding and perfecting, so the next 118 heart transplants only saw about 50% survival rate over the first 30 days. This only is only proof for the ethical questions raised regarding organ transplants. In addition, a 1967 article stated that humans are fast approaching the day when vital organs of humans will simply be too valuable to be used for one, just one life. The corpses and, the, and brain dead were seen as cannibalized by doctors to aid the living. People also feared the future black market and selling of organs that occur with the prevalence of organ transplants. There are other ethnographies out there that discuss this further in depth. The transplant industry in August of 1968 with the WADA case. The world's 30th heart transplant took place in Sapporo, Japan. Dr. Wada Jiro transplanted the heart of Yamaguchi Yoshimasa into Miyazaki Nobuo. As in South Africa, the transplant surgeon also declared the death of the donor, raising some ethical questions. Then, it appeared that there was no evidence that the donor was indeed dead, so Wada was charged with intentional homicide. In addition, it became clear that, that Miyazaki did not need a heart transplant. Wada stated that there were three defective heart valves when in reality there was only one. This further complicated the ethics surrounding this case. Miyazaki did not live long after the transplant. As with other heart transplants at, the in this, at this time in the world, the Wada case received a lot of media coverage. Originally, Japan praised their interest into this new technological advancement, but when ethical questions were raised, the media maintained coverage. The public focused on the murder of the donor, and the medical field focused on the unprofessional treatment of the recipient. The Japanese public became concerned about organ transplants, affecting their acceptance of organ transplants for a long time. Legally, 
Japan prevented more transplants from occurring in its borders until 1999. The media also covered the relationships between the Yamaguchi and the Miyazaki families. Publicly, the families hoped to join as one following the transplant. The donor family and the recipient family often knew each other and formed a bond following the early organ transplants around the world. Since then, countries, including Japan, have forbid direct contact between these families. Locke does not go in depth about the reasoning why this was not allowed in the medical field or in legislation, other than the fact that emotions are powerful in these situations. Following the first transplants around the world, a general consensus on the definition of brain death was needed in the medical field and in legislation. Committees were created worldwide and within countries to try to define the line between life and death so to make sure doctors were doing everything ethically and legally right when it came to respirator brains. Japan does not have a kind history with the commodification of bodies. In World War II, the Japanese committed atrocities on the people of Manchuria, leading to a sense of distrust in medical professionals and body modification. The founder of the Green Cross in Japan, who is still an active member when this book was published, was involved in the atrocities in Manchuria. In addition, following the atomic bombs, survivors were subjected to experiments and tests not with compensation or with their consent always. This history of distrust continues to this day and is highlighted through the media. Through news, comic books, theater, television, movies, songs, and more, Japan highlights the negatives of brain death and organ transplants. The media tends to focus on the negatives, errors, and complications associated with organ transplants. There has been been a so-called pornography of death, making death disgusting and lewd. Manga is one way to teach children about brain death and organ transplants. A play by Tada Tomio called The Well of the Ignorance highlights transplants and their complications. It was a part of the National No Theater similar to Broadway in the United States. Tada Tomio believes that the No Theater thrives on the dynamics of justice and injustice, oppression and liberation, including the oppression of and liberation from tradition, which can be seen in his play. Japan has not tra- transitioned to so-called modernity as the West has. Even as a developed country, Japan is not the same in every aspect of Canada and the United States. Japan battles with keeping their sense of tradition and accepting the modernity of the West. Japan rejects medical advances because of tradition, culture, and religious concerns. They struggle with the balance of tradition, isolation, modern, and postmodern ideals. Some Japanese believe that the cultural colonization following open following opening up their borders to the world has caused a kind of rape. With understanding brain death and organ transplants, Japan also does not conform to Western ideals. Japan has less brain-dead donors due to less gunshot victims than the United States. The traditional Japanese death criteria has no pulse, no breathing, and pupil dilation. This new invisible death is performed behind closed doors by only a few elite members, adding to the concerns about brain death. Japan and the United States also differ in their usage of brain death wording. 
In Japan, doctors describe a patient as approaching brain death, and in North America, the patient is said to be brain dead. In Japan, doctors are not seen with the same level of trust and respect that North American doctors are. Bribery and corruption scandals have occurred. Doctors were even able to buy a spot into medical school in the past. In addition, due to universal health care, gifts and bribery are given to doctors by patients' families on the daily. Doctors are often afraid to mention brain death and organ transplants. Those that do are considered as dictators by some. Bodies have been commodities for centuries, and with organ transplants, the economy of bodies has heightened. Corpses are considered to be cannibalized to aid the living, and some believe that we have already reached the day when human organs are too important and valuable to be left to just one body. We, are, we also see this sentiment today with the idea that organ donations are gifts of life. We are also told of an organ shortage that our society faces. In addition, the cost of an organ transplant highlights its importance as an economic item. One difficulty Japanese face with brain death and organ transplants is that there is no sense of an individual. Family is very important and they are highly involved in death. Death is considered to ultimately be a family matter over a medical or religious one. Families get the last say with taking a neomort off the ventilator and choosing to donate organs, even if the patient had stated otherwise in the past. Ancestors are also very important in Japanese culture. People fear that they will disrespect their ancestors by agreeing to take someone off the ventilator or donating their organs. They also fear disrespecting their ancestors by not letting them die with dignity and causing them to stay in a state of neither life nor death. Connected to ancestors, Japanese have a different concept of the soul or spirit than people in North America. Some believe that it is connected to Buddhism, Shinto, and animism, all religions present in Japan. Animism is where life is diffused inside and outside the body. This is one of the factors for the trouble Japanese face in determining if the soul exists in just the brain or throughout the body. Does one soul transplant plant into another's body with an organ transplant? Will someone's soul have trouble moving on if their organs have been transplanted into another person? Margaret Locke also questions, when do individuals opposed to bodies die? Is there a difference? Do you need all of your organs for the afterlife? These are some of the questions Japanese struggle with when determining how to handle brain-dead people and organ transplants from living cadavers. Japanese trust struggle with the concept of brain death and organ transplants because of a tarnished past, distrust in doctors, the culture around family and souls, religion, and the concept of the body as a commodity. Death is complex. Brain death is complex. Organ transplants are complex. There are so many factors that cause this to be a difficult subject that societies struggle to come to a consensus on, especially with the complication of emotions surrounding death. I will end this podcast with a brief section from Twice Dead, Organ Transplants and the Reinvention of Death by Margaret Locke. In most cases, we do not need to know 
exactly when death takes place. I agree with this position and with that of Norman Faust when he states that not only do we not need to know, but we cannot know exactly when death takes place. If organs are going to be procured, then this activity must be justified on the basis of something other than complete biological death. The invention of brain death, the French coma de pas, literally state piano coma, is much more descriptive, was indeed a political act. With widespread use of the ventilator, many physicians in North America and Europe considered it imperative that decisions be made exponentially as to when to take patients off ventilators and, with appropriate permission, procure organs with repercussions. A death located in the brain would accomplish these ends. However, ambiguity created by the living cadaver set off a train of events that in some places created ripples of discontent and in other places such as Japan storms of protest. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Have a good day.